0: It's the month of Teves, and like we've done the past two months, we brought on the legend himself, the incomparable genius, my dear brother-in-law, Rabbi Shmuley Botnik, to help us sort out the deeper meanings of this month, the mysteries, the secrets, the ideas behind the month of Teves. Uh, There's not really a lot going on. If you look at your calendar in this month, you see that there's a fast day, and that's really all there is. But of course, Rabbi Botnik has a way of peeling, peeling the layers of the onion and showing us what's really going on. What's the mystery? What's the secret? What do we actually know? And what can we speculate about this month? So I'm looking forward to this. I did get the notes like I got last week, but uh, unfortunately it was mostly indecipherable to me. So, uh, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to make do. And, uh, I'm, I'm relying a lot on Rabbi Botnik. Today, I think he's rely on me, so it might be a total disaster. But, uh, welcome, Rabbi Botnik. It's great to have you back.
1: Uh, thanks so much, Rabbi Wubi. Yeah, so I, I hope it won't be a disaster. We're gonna try our best. I will say I'm a little biased about the month of Teves, and that's because my birthday falls out smack in the middle of the month of Teves. So.
0: That's right. That's right. Happy birthday. Well, Rabbi Botnik was born, I believe, on, J- on January 1st, a couple of strokes after midnight. I always say that it, uh, his family was a family of Accountants and not lawyers—that would never be allowed to happen. <laughs> but alas, alas, was that right? Well, because we're lawyers, we turned we're the first... clock back a couple of minutes. <laughs> Anyways, okay. yeah.
1: So Teves is—it's kind of my month. Uh, like you said, it—it it doesn't seem to have a lot going for it. Um, certainly not in a positive way. But as we've seen in the past, that's—that's that's usually a good thing because that means it's there's plenty of room to explore. Um, plenty of. Like not yet discovered material, which uh, we hope we can tap into. So let's jump into it. Um, okay. We always uh, like first focusing on the the tribe that the month corresponds with, right? So we know already there's 12 tribes, there's 12, um, 12 months, and the Arizal has his own calculation as to which month lines up with which tribe. And the month of Tevez is going to be the month of Dun. That's the shape of Dun. He is, I think, the oldest of Bilhah's children. Is that right? Or will be? Uh, don't yeah. test me on these <laughs> things. <themes. laughs> right. So, you know what I mean to yeah, say is he's a not, tri- tribe right, of Dan. So he's not one of the, yes. Uh, he's, yes. He's uh, not a child of Rachel or, or Leah. He's a child of Yes.
0: Bilhah's oldest kind of, uh, surrogate uh, son. Yes. Uh, the surrogate son of, of Rachel. Yes. Dun and Dan and Naphtali. Okay, so that's the that's the he's the uh, tribe of the month. Okay,
1: now, the zodiac sign for the month of Teves is a Gidhi. A Gidhi is a baby goat. Um, right, an adult goat is called a Sitir, and a Gidhi is a baby goat, and that is what um that is the zodiac sign that governs in the month of Teves. So we're going to have to explore what is the significance of a Gidhi. So somewhere we got to figure out what's unique about Dun, what's special about a Gedi. And I don't think we've discussed this in previous Shuram, but also every month has a letter, um, a, a, a specific letter that's associated with it, a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the letter of the month of Teves is an Ayin, okay? An Ayin. And also, and this we did discuss last month, is there is a Shem havaya. Right, for one of the twelve formulas of Hashem's ineffable name, yud hey vav hey, can be rearranged in twelve different ways. And this time around, the month of Teves, the arrangement is. Hold on, let me figure this out. It's going to be a hey yud hey vav. But that you don't have to remember that the Arizal for every single one of these formulas, he derives it from a Pusuk. Okay, so he'll say that you could see this this formula um, can be found, hinted to in a certain pasuk. So the pasuk that he finds uh, this specific shame in is the pasuk, which we say every time we take the Sefer Torah out of the Aram Kodesh, right? It's a very famous pasuk. So he says, if you look at the word, that the final letters of the words, LaHashem iti, Uneromemah shemo, you'll get the last letter of La Hashem is a hey. Iti is a yud. Uneromemah is a hey. Yachtav is above. Okay, so we're finding Teves being hinted to in the passive Gadlu La Hashem Iti Shmo which probably will be. Do you want to give a, um, a translation? Yeah,
0: Gadlu means to make God great.
1: God, make God great with uh, and me Roma... and let's lift him up together, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Uplift, Uplift yes. His Upl- name. Uplift together, his name. Oh, yes. Okay.
0: Together. Okay.
1: Fair enough. Okay, so a lot to unpack here. Don, goat, letter I in, and the verse about lifting God up together. Can you think, in your, in your prodigious genius, Rabbi be? can you think of any sort of connection just on the spot between all these four different very. <laughs>
0: not not really. It seems like a mystery. The letter ayin. I, I know that you have a you have a a thing. You have an affinity for that letter. We've heard that. in oh, the Oh, very past. good. You remember that? Yeah. Uh, the letter ayin. Okay, that's uh, the letter that corresponds to number seventy. I remember we talked a lot about the letter ayin and the letter aleph and Aaron and the swapping and the and the garments. Very good. And that's uh, all, no, that's all almost that a mystery. Year ago. So I know that the goat, the baby goat, uh, tribe of Dan. Um, and, uh, this verse of, uh, making God glorious together, it's, it's a total mystery. It's a total mystery. What do we have? We're
1: going to debunk this together. Um, all right. So what, what happens in the month of Tavis? You mentioned earlier that it's not all that much. And even what does happen seems to be pretty negative. Um, that's right. So primarily there's this fast day coming up. Okay. The, the, what is that? And it's going to be in very soon, right? On Tuesday. So today's Friday. This coming Tuesday, we're going to be fasting. It's one of my favorite fasts because it's really short. Um, how the like shkia here is like five twenty, so it's basically skipping breakfast and lunch, which I do pretty often, anyways. Um, but it is a fast day, and it's a serious fast day. It's it, it's kind of biblical. I mean, it it's not biblical because it's not explicitly in the Torah. But the occurrence that it's commemorating is found in Malachim, right? It's found in the prophets. And what that is, is that the Babylonians surrounded the walls of Jerusalem on that day, on the 10th day of Tevez, is when they surrounded, they lay siege on Jerusalem. It was a year and change later that they broke down the walls of Jerusalem, right? And that, we fast as well, that's called Shiva of And then it's three weeks later that they set fire to the base of Mecca, right? Is that, I think I got that right.
0: Yeah, so we have different stages of the destruction of Jerusalem, destruction of the temple. And the 10th of Teves corresponds to the siege, the encirclement of the walls of Jerusalem. They lay siege to it, and then they break through the siege, they breach the walls, and then they destroy the temple. And those successive stages, so to speak, of the destruction of the first commonwealth of, of Jerusalem and the temple are each marked by fast days. That's right.
1: Okay, so that's a Sarbateves, but we are taught that's not the only bad thing that happened in Teves. Leading up to the 10th day of Teves, the two days prior to that, the 8th day and the 9th day, also have their own unfortunate occurrences. Um, I, I hope I get this one right. So on the 8th day of Teves, we are taught a, a rather strange thing happened. The King Talmai, who was, I think, a successor... Of Alexander the Great, Rabbi, what was going to help me out here? He was one of yes, one of the Yes, right, that's right. Yes. right. There was a couple, like three of them, um, but he got like a portion of Alexander's territory, and he demanded of the Sanhedrin, the leading seventy-two rabbis of the Jewish people at the time, to translate the Torah into Greek. And this, we are told, was a, a great tragedy. the The Gemara tells us that the world fell into darkness. There was Choshech for three days as a result of this decree. So this wasn't a small thing. Spiritually, this was a very big deal that we were compelled to translate the Torah into Greek. And we don't fast, per se, on the eighth day, but it is... Um, we don't fast on the eighth day, but it is something which we mark as uh, as kind of a, a blemish on our history that we had to go through that now an obvious question which has been asked by many is what is wrong i mean there is a very successful company called art scroll that does this for a living right they translate the torah not only into english into into french spanish maybe some russian right what what exactly is the problem with what happened there Uh, and i hope to uh, come to some sort of understanding of that as well Okay, that's on the 8th day. On the ninth day, I didn't see this brought down other than the Mishnah Barura, so I'm sure there's earlier sources for this, that Ezra passes away. Ezra Hasopher, who played a a significant role in our history. This was following the destruction of the first temple. He was the one who led the Exodus back to Eretz uh, for the rebuilding or for the building of the second temple. So that's Ezra. So he passes away on the ninth day. And we are taught that that is also uh, obviously a very sad, uh, a sad episode. And again, we don't fast. But these three things kind of, one follows the other. There's this translation of the Torah into Greek, Ezra's passing. And then the siege that's, that lays, that they lay around Yerushalayim on the tenth day. And you have to ask yourself, they sound really random. These three things, things, the only common denominators, they're all sad and unfortunate. But like, what in the world is the connection between siege, Greek, and Ezra? All right. So we have to find common threads between a lot of things right now. There's the, the goat, the letter Ayin, the tribe of Dun, the verse, the siege, the translation, and Ezra.
0: Sounds like fun? And if, if I'm not mistaken, these other days, so day eight, that uh, is the day that they translated the Torah, the Septuagint, the translation of the seventy, and day nine, which is the death of Ezra, they're also fast days. Is that right? So, they're just yeah, fast days that, that only individuals, we, we, don't, we don't observe yeah, so they're, I think They're technical yeah, yeah, fast and they're days. The brings we, down
1: all these like random fast days that we don't observe. I guess he's not saying you have to observe them, you're just saying like these are days that if you're in the mood of fasting, like <laughs> choose these ones or something. But I think that's on the list. Um, eight and nine, or maybe one, one of those two for sure, is on the list.
0: Uh, I believe I believe both of them. Eight, nine, and eight, then of nine course nine ten, ten, which I have one fast. Yeah, so go yes. for it. it will be, I challenge you to fast eight, nine yeah, you could, and you ten. Could be. You could be a Muslim for a couple of days. <laughs> Ramadan, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well All right. it comes right after January this year it comes after january so everyone wants to you know fulfill their new year's resolution so maybe <laughs> fast a couple of days lose a couple of pounds all right anyhow okay so let's
1: explore ahead. first the most prominent of these three of these three occurrences and that will be the siege that was laid around um Jerusalem by the babylonians so the babylonians are the first of four exiles right so there's there's four different Galuyos. there's the Galus Bavel. there's the galas Parasumodai. That's what happens with the perm story. That's Achashverosh. Golas Yavan, which we just spoke a lot about. That was Hanukkah time. And then the Golas that we're currently in, which is Golas Edom.
0: Yes, and Golas, will just translate that as exile. right? We're talking about the, these are the four exiles of the Jewish people. Is that right? that uh, how you would translate it? Yeah, four exiles of Jewish people, yeah.
1: So this was the very first step of Golas Babel. So just to give this like something of a, of a deeper perspective, the Babylonian army surrounding Yerushalayim means, what it really means is the very... First step of the very first gallus has just happened. Okay, so so right away there you get, you understand you you start seeing that there's there's kind of more to this than what meets the eye. There's something very significant happening in our history. Now, we are taught that the four exiles correspond to four averos. Okay, so there's the three capital crimes. The three capital Cardinal. crimes Cardinal. are. Well, we take it away.
0: No, the three cardinal sins. Card- a lot of capital crimes.
1: Capital Okay, cardinal sins. All right, that's yeah, a better there's, word.
0: there's three sins that you have to be willing to die and and not transgress. The three okay. general categories of of, and, trans- and those of are- transgressions. And those are murder, of course. Mm-hmm. Someone says murder someone or I kill you, you have to bite the bullet. Uh, idolatry and the whole suite of of sexual crimes. That's
1: right. So what we're taught is that the the first three exiles correspond to those three. So, Bavel is Avodh zara, idolatry. Parasumadai is, um, immoral, sexual immorality. So, people don't even realize this. This kind of goes unmentioned in the Perm story, but sexual immorality actually plays a very big role. Um, the, the party, the Achashvash's party, uh, one of the big problems with it was there was a lot of immorality going on. It wasn't just the food, it was, it was the company. Um, so Parasumadai sumadai is, is very much associated with that. Yavon is shvichas uh, Okay, it's murder. So those are the three. That's the lineup. And then goes edom. Very interestingly, with one we're currently in, this farm tell us, Sfas says this is lashon hara, which the Gemara tells us that lashon hara is as bad as all three combined. Right? Lashon Baras kedolos. The lashon is just as bad as all all three combined, which is why our is the longest and it's the most bitter. The point is that Bavel, Gallus Bavel, is associated with Avodazara. So, you know, it's this, this gallus this exile that's about to begin on Asar Bateves, that's when they start knocking on the door. It's also very much connected with Avodazara. Because this is the beginnings of the Bavel Gaulus, the Avodazara Gaulus. Now, right away, I'm starting to see a connection, at least to one thing. Dun. We said this is the Shaved of Dun. Dun has a very unhappy history with Avodazar. Right? Uh, the earliest uh mention of this I think you'll find in Lech Lecha, where it says Avramavinu, Avinu, uh, this was in the war with the four kings and the five kings. At some point it says, Vajerdov ad Dun. He ran all the way to Dun. Obviously, Dun wasn't born yet, but still that portion of Eritzel was called Dun because eventually, later on in history, Dun would uh, that that would fall to Don. And it says that he stopped running. And Rash does, why did he stop running? Because he became weak because of the Avodah Zarah that would happen there. And I think it's referring to Avodah Zarah that happened in the days of bin and ben um The agel the Hazav was erected in the tribe of Don, uh, their portion of Eretz Other mentionings of Don and um Avodah Zarah is the whole Pasal micha story, which I'm not fully familiar with. I... I really should have brushed up on that, but there was this Avodah that I think a lot of people ended up following, and it was all coming from Shevet Dun. I do know that in Parshish Kiseitze, when we learn about Amalek attacking the Jewish people, the verse says, <speaking in Hebrew> all of, Who did Amalek attack? They attacked the stragglers behind you, and Targum Yonasan says, Who is that? That's Shevet Dun. He says, Why? Why? They were straggling because they were kicked out. They were booted from the Anan HaKavod. Why? Because they had this affiliation with Avodah So, Dun and Avodah it's is a problem. This is an old problem. And so, if we know that in the month of Tevis, the Babylonian exile begins, and the Babylonian exile is the exile of Avodah um so then we right away can make that connection, that that's why this has something to do with Dun. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So okay. so Dan the tribe of Dan has a certain penchant or certain weakness, a certain proclivity for idolatry compared to the rest of the tribes and we have this uh, incipient exile that's happening now with the the surrounding of the city and Babylon the first of the exiles is cor- is, is corresponding to the the transgression of idolatry. And therefore, it's no shock that we see, you know, in, in with Babylon and with the encirclement of Jerusalem that the tribe of Dan is going to be affiliated uh, because of the certain weakness that uh, that they have towards idolatry.
1: Right. Now, the other thing I would point out is that also might explain the Gedi. Because, so a Gede is a baby goat. The adult version of a G'dee is a Seir. Now, Seir is explicitly used in the Torah as a reference to Avodah Zarah can't remember what Parshat's in. It's, um I can't remember, but lizboach La Laseirim. Do you know this verse, I will be familiar? Yes. It, it explicitly yes. refers to Seir as a reference to Avodah So the goat is somehow associated with Avodah So perhaps the Gedi as well, being the junior version of the Seir. And once again, you know, we can make that connection between Don, Gedi, and Bovel, all having to do with Avodah but, let's take this, let's take this a little deeper. So, we, we know that Babel is now surrounding themselves around Yerushalayim. Babel and Yerushalayim have a very ancient history together. And the first time you'll see them come up is at the end of Pashas Noach. At the end of Pashas Noach, we are taught that this anonymous group of people head out to build themselves an Ir U a city and a tower. And with it, they wish to challenge God, Right, manasa lanu shame, and as we know, and this is like one of the most famous biblical stories, is that, um, the, right, the verse begins by saying they all spoke the same language, lashon echad, and then their languages got all mixed up, and the whole idea of languages really evolved from there. the, the fact that there's a diversity of languages in the world, and then the verse concluded that that is Babel. that's why they they got the name Babel, because they were like. Literally babbling, right? They're, they didn't know what they were saying because nobody could understand each other's languages. Very mystical story. But here's the point. The point is that the Sefer base Yaakov, uh, I think that is, um, from the Ishbitzer dynasty of Hasidus. He quotes the Zohar that, that says, what's this? Ear Umigdal, a city and a tower inside the city. So he says a very deep idea. He says that there was something, something very spiritually sensitive that was happening at that time, Avramavinu, at this the end of Pashas Avramavinu comes onto the scene, Pashas Lech Lecha, or really even at the tail end of Pashas Noach, they sensed the oncoming of Avramavinu. okay, Avramavinu is about to happen, they knew in their heart that Avramavinu has the ability to overwhelm everything they represent, so if they represent idolatry, evil, immorality, whatever it might be, Avraham will come along and stamp it out of all of them. He will create this entity called the Jewish people and the Torah will be given to them and all that's good and holy and spiritual and spiritually positive will evolve from that. So they wanted to nip Avraham in the bud. And here's what they knew. They knew, and we're going to explain this in a bit, but they knew that the secret to the Jewish people and the secret to Avraham legacy lies in the Beis HaMikdash. You need a Beis HaMikdash for, for this mission to succeed. So what they did was they said, we're going to build our own base of Mikdash. That's what we're going to do. And so they said, we're going to make an ear, a city, umigdal, and a tower inside the city. Because the dynamic that the base of Mikdash has to function in is, has to be surrounded by a city, Yerushalayim. And then within that city, there's going to be this like concentrated, um, burst of spirituality in the base of Mikdash. So an ear, umigdal. That's the dynamic of the base of mikdash, and that's exactly what they wanted to model uh, their project after. And they were going to build their own base of mikdash, but it wouldn't be a good base of mikdash; it would be a bad base of mikdash, right? And with that, they would undermine everything that Rav was going to do. That is what they were doing. Okay, so they're trying to build a base of mikdash, and who are they? They are Bavel. So here you have again, right? They become a bubble. That bubble, at its roots, right? The very conception of the nation Bavel is the kind of the destruction of the base of Mikdash. I mean, building a base of Mikdash that would challenge our base of Mikdash. So Bavel has this obsession with our ear, with our city and our tower that's inside the city. The ear of happened all the way then and it's kind of happening again now. They're back at the ear. They're surrounding the city trying to get in for the second time. Um, so that's really cool. Okay, but but I want to understand this a little deeper. What does this mean? What does the Zohar mean when they say that, or, or what does the Sefer Beis Yaakov mean when he says that Avram Avinu was the very beginning of the Beis Hamikdash? I mean, a Beis Hamikdash wasn't built till thousands of years after Avram Avinu. So what I think perhaps it means is like this: Avram Avinu, in a nutshell, if I were to, to describe everything he accomplished in one word, that one word would be Echo one, oneness. The, 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 verse in Yechazkel refers to Avram Avinu as Echod Haya Avram. was Echod. Meaning the whole idea of monotheism and, and the, the oneness of God was Avram Avinu's innovation. And that was his message that he spent his entire life trying to disseminate to all of humanity. Echad. Echod Haya Avram. Now, the Maral tells us in regard to the Beis Mikdash, I want to read to you his words because I, I don't necessarily, uh, understand them fully. But he says, try to find this. Um, yeah, I might not find it right now. But he says basically that the ability for the Jewish people to remain as one is dependent on the Beis HaMikdash. He says that it's through the Beis HaMikdash, Yeah, I got found it. Yisrael al The Jewish people become one via the beis hamikdash. kohen echad. They had only one kohen, mizbeach echad, only one mizbeach, one altar. Right? Vineshur They weren't allowed to make any sacrifices out, sacrifices outside of the beis hamikdash. because there couldn't be any separation amongst the Jewish people. The beis hamikdash was the place where all the Jewish people came together. And the maral goes on to explain that that's why sinas chinam, hatred amongst. Uh, amongst the Jews, caused the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash because they were uh, they were challenging the the very purpose of the Beis Hamikdash. Okay, so Avram Avinu is Echot, and the Beis Hamikdash is what perpetuates that legacy. Which is why I think the the birth of Avram Avinu was the very beginnings of the construction, the conceptual construction of the Beis Hamikdash, because they both stand for the same concept. Does this
0: make sense, Rabbi it It's. It, I'm getting there. So there's a certain kind of c- consolidation or, or, or unification or unity that Abraham represents. And that, of course, relates to the unification of or, or the, the idea of, of uh, the singularity of God, that, that there's only one God, not all the other powers. And that is, so to speak, the, the flashpoint between Abraham and the Babylonians and the temple and the later Babylonians, and that's the conflict that comes comes to a head in, in this month.
1: Excellent. Okay. But it gets even more specific because if you look at those verses all the way back in, in the end of Parshish Noach, when it introduces these guys uh, who are about to build this strange tower, this is how it describes them. Behi kolo aretz sofa achadim. And all of the land, all the people, spoke one language and words of one, very hard to translate, words of oneness. I, I mean, basically the point is that this idea of Echad was very central to their entire culture. They were extremely united. They spoke only one language. They spoke words of oneness. Okay, they had this power of unification, of unity. And that is why, that is why there was a real, there was a real power to their efforts. They could have done this. That's what I think. Meaning, they were about to build a base of mixers. Like, imagine if a group of random people from a random nation say, we're going to build a base of mixers. Would God go out of his way to say, oh no, I gotta mess this up because they have the power to destroy everything that's good and holy? Or would God say, do your thing, man. Like, I don't care. So, Right. But he's not doing it. he's taking this very seriously. Hashem took this very seriously. And I think the reason is because again, the basic Mikdash represents its power is unity. Right? And they had that power. They had it. They were a very unified people. So they were they had the potential to use their unity and manipulate it to advance their agenda. So that's why what did God do? What God did was a, a tit for tat response. He came along and said, Okay, I'm gonna destroy your unity. And what he did was he took their language away from them, and he made multiple languages, and they no longer could communicate with each other, and they were no longer unified. So their entire threat is now gone. That's what was going on then. Now they're coming back, okay? They're coming back on a Sarbat and they want to, they want to penetrate the walls of the city of Yerushalayim and get to the base of this once again. Why are they doing that? They tried once before and they failed. Why are they doing it again? So here's what I think. This is really deep. The Sefer Karnaim, which is an old Kabbalistic Sefer. He writes a very deep thing. He says that Avram Avinu was born in the month of Teves. Okay, just like me. <laughs> he was born in the month of Teves. And he said, and the there's a pirish on the Sever Kanaim, written by Reb Shlom also a very ancient, uh, old mikoabel who lived in the um, the 17th century. And he writes that this is hinted to in the words Tikaver b'Sebev Tova. Okay, I, I messed up. He does not say Avram was born in Teves. He says Avram died in Teves. He passed away in Teves. Says the Vedan Yadin that this is hinted to in the words Tikaver b'Sebev Tova. So Hashem tells Avram. Uh, you will be buried in, I mean, will be, how would you translate, seva tova, like,
0: good, in, in a, in a good old age. At, at a ripe old age, a good old age, right? Ripe, good old age, yeah.
1: Yeah, so you'll be buried. There. So the words Tikaver, be tova, The are tevos, are tough, beis, and then, um, right. tough beis, and then Tes, which backwards, backwards read it, teves. Okay. So Avraham Avinu is being told you're gonna die in teves. So he dies in teves. Okay. Now, so much, they say. I I want to add on to that, that we know a principle that we always assume, unless we know otherwise, that a tzaddik, certainly a, a biblical tzaddik, dies on the day he's born. We learn this from Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Moshe Rabbeinu says, today my days and my years are complete. The Gemara Sota page 13b tells us that what that means is that I will be dying on the day I was born. I'll be dying, I was born on Zion other. I'm gonna die in Zion other. So I'm gonna take the liberty to assume that if Avram Avinu died in Teves, he was also born in Teves. Okay, which means philosophically that in the month of Teves, this, this dark, dreary, boring month is the birth of the patriarch of our people. Think about that. Right? There's this, there's this very powerful energy in the month of Teves that terrified the Babylonians just like it did back in the day. Back in the day, the Babylonians, or they weren't even called Babylonians yet, they said, oh my gosh, Avraham is going to be born, we better stop this thing, we better build a base of Mikthash to destroy the base of Mikthash that he's going to build. And here they're back again in the month of Tebe saying, this power of Avraham is having a rebirth, we better stop this thing. So that is what I think is going on, on a deeper level of... Asar Bateves and the Babylonians coming back to surround Yerushalayim. Okay, so just to put this all together. We said that the Babylonians have this, they cause this like multitude of languages, right? They started off with Echor. They ended up with a whole bunch of different languages. Um, and their are a whole agendas to challenge of Ramavinu. We also mentioned earlier that the Babylonians are very much associated with Avodah The Golis Bavel is the Gaullus of Avodah So, I, I want to make this clear that this is one and the same idea. The opposite of Avodah is Echor. When you believe in the unity of God, there is no such thing as Avodah Okay? Shema Yisrael Echor. The moment you abandon the... And when moment you, you abandon the mantra of Shema Yisrael, of, of Echad, of Achtos Hashem, you're already in Avodah zara territory. Avodah is multiplicity. In the Zohar, they say that Rishos HaYachid is the Jewish people, Rishos HaRabim is the non-Jewish world. Multiplicity is a non-Jewish thing, because we believe in Echad. So what's really going on with, with Babel and the reason why the, the multi- multiplicity of languages evolved from them, is because they are Avodah zara, So, Avodah zara can't ever really. Maintain a connection to Echor. Which is why it fell apart. That's why they were not able to succeed. Right? So, the, the idea of. Bovel having. Numerous languages. Or causing numerous languages. To come into existence. Is because they are Avodah zara. And numerosity is always going to be aligned with Avodah Zarah, whereas singlehood is always going to be aligned with Avraham Avinu and belief in Hashem. Does, does that make sense?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Okay. So the reason why it's crucial to understand that is because we're going to jump right now to the Targum Shivim, right? The story of this Malach Talmai telling, um, telling the Sanhedrin that they have to translate the Torah into, into Greek. Because now we understand it. We understand what's going on. Because this Lashon echod, this this language that originally Babel spoke and that was taken away from them, that was Lashon HaKodesh. That was the only language that existed. That is the Lashon echod. Lashon HaKodesh doesn't just mean one language. It means a language of oneness. The language of God, the godly language, the one that communicates unity, is Lashon HaKodesh. What Talmai, this king, was what he wanted to accomplish wasn't that he wanted a nice art scroll translation to help him understand the verses of the Torah better. What he wanted is he wanted to translate the Torah away and say, I do not want a Lashon HaKodesh anymore. I do not want it to be a part of the world of Avraham Avinu anymore, the world of Lashon HaKodesh, the world of Ye- of Echad. I wanted to now enter the world of the 70 languages and that's already the territory of Avodah Zarah. That's the territory of Bavel. That is the world of Rosh Hashanah. That's what he was trying to accomplish. So now, do we understand why these two things are going together? Gaulus Bavel, right? The 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 Galus, the people who are built on the foundation of multiple languages, a world of languages, as opposed to Lashon Echad, is fits perfectly. With the idea of Talmai telling the Sanhedrin to translate the Torah into Yoma, I mean, we, does that does that make sense?
0: It, it makes a ton of sense, yes. And I have some notes here that I'm amassing. So. Okay, so wait, but I, <laughs> I want, I'm so certain that you're going to bring up some of the subjects that I'm just going to keep quiet. <laughs> okay, okay,
1: probably not. But the one thing I wanted to point out: Do you remember the letter? The letter of Tevez was
0: Ayin. Ayin, yeah.
1: Ayin. What's the gematria of Ayin?
0: Seventy.
1: Seventy. And there you have it. The the breakdown of languages was it went from one to seventy. And like I mean, what we mentioned earlier, I have something of an obsession with this dynamic of one and seventy. Right? The Aleph is one and, and the ayin is seventy. Uh Kabbalistically the the degradation of Aleph, meaning when, when people when people act immorally, the Aleph, which is which is unity, which is Avram Avinu... It breaks down into an Ayin and it becomes 70. But that's that's for a different time. But the idea is here that we see that Teves and Bovel and Don, it all has to do with this abandonment of Echad, which right away brings you into the world of the 70 nations and the 70 languages. And that's why Ayin is going to be the letter of the month of Teves. So, so far, we managed to resolve a whole bunch of things here. We know why it's Don. We know why it's Gediw. We know why it's the letter Ayin. We understand the connection to all of that and Bovel. And we understand the connection with all of that too. Talmai who made the Jewish people translate the Torah into uh, a foreign language okay now we're going to have to talk about Ezra and this is where things are going to get a little bit complicated are we okay with that? let's go okay so we we mentioned briefly that this Lashon of Echad the Lashon of Avraham Avinu of is Lashon HaKodesh okay that sounds fair enough but what does that really mean? Um, what, what is the significance of Lashonokodesh? Why is it that much, that, why is it that fundamentally different from the other language? So here is a, like a Dvar Torah I want to share with you. Like this kind of stands on its own, its own two feet. I shared this, um, Shavuos time. There seems to be a contradiction in two Gemaras in, in Shas, two Gemaras in Talmud Bavali. In Shabbos and the attractive Shabbos on page 88b, it tells us like this, It says when God gave the Torah, every word that came out of his mouth was divided into 70 different languages. Okay, did you know that? Like, do you know that? When you, when you envision Matan Torah, like, I don't know, I just always thought it was in Hebrew, but like, that's not what it's saying. It's like 70 languages were going down there. Okay, that's that's interesting but here's the problem with it the problem is that the gemara in sota tells us that it 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 quotes the verse that says moshe yadaber Valakim Yanenu pikol right that's a verse in Yisro. moshe spoke and god answered him with a voice and the gemara tells us in sota uh, page 33 that that what that means is that matan torah was given in Lashon Hakodesh, because the word "call" says the word "call." Voice means Lashon Hakodesh. The voice of God is Lashon Hakodesh. So, is this not a contradiction? The Gemara in Shabbos tells us seventy languages. The Gemara in Sota tells us Lashon Hakodesh. How do you resolve these two quotes uh, from the Gemara? So, I think, and this is what I, I, I shared Shmuel Stein. I think the answer is like this: There was two stages. There was an initial stage of call, a voice. I mean, your voice preempts your words, right? It's, if you just make a sound, that's, that's not being enunciated. That's not, right? So those aren't words. It's just a the voice. Then along comes your tongue or whatever it is. It turns that voice into words. So the initial stage in speaking is going to be a call, a voice, and that is considered to be Lashana Kodesh. Why? Because it's internal. Your voice is internal. It's before it was articulated and expressed outward. The internal voice of God is Lashon HaKodesh. Lashon HaKodesh is an, a, a, a true expression of divinity. Which is why it's referred to as a call, a voice. Because it's, it's one with God. It is when God expresses himself, Lashon HaKodesh manages to encapsulate precisely what he's trying to say. Then the second stage is that it becomes Dibor. Words. Once it's words, once it's outside of God, so to speak, He spoke it out, then it could be communicated or translated into the 70 different languages. So the words of the Lashon of the Gemara in Shabbos is very specific. It says, "Called Every word that left the mouth of God, Nishalik, Lashon was divided into 70 languages. It's very clear. That happened at the stage when it left the mouth of God. The Gemara Soto, it says it was Lashon HaKodesh, it's saying, Moshe Adaber Bekol, when it was still at the voice stage, when it was still internally a part of God, that was, that was Lashon HaKodesh. Does, does that, make sense? Or I really do you understand how that resolves the contradiction?
0: Yeah, yeah. So there's the, like the eternal, the, the internal voice, which is the call, uh, the Hebrew word call, and that's Lashon HaKodesh. And then it could, it could separate, and splinter into seventy different diburs or words or articulation once that call, once that call, once that voice is expressed.
1: That's right. So there's these two, there's these two different functions here. There's call, which is Lashon Hakodesh, and then there's dibor, which is the languages of the world. Now here's the thing: we don't oppose. Like I, I told you, there's an entire, there's a wonderful company out there called Artscroll. We don't oppose translating the Torah into different languages. What we oppose is divorcing those different languages from the kol. Okay? Meaning, it's fine to have Torah in English and Spanish and, and, and even Greek. So long as you understand that this is ultimately meant to bring you closer to the Torah's original form, which was Lashon HaKodesh, which was the kol. The B'nai Saskar talks about this idea. He talks about this idea of there being two things. There's a kol, and then there's dibor. And he's, he talks about it very Kabbalistically. Uh, this is in Tishrei, when he's talking about sukkas. Uh I don't know if I have to get into everything he says there. He says that the kol is associated with the Shem Havaya, yod he The dibor is associated with the shame Ha'adnos, which is aleph alin nun yod He says when you bring them together, uh, it brings happiness to your life, which, uh, this is, this is all very Kabbalistic stuff, but he does throw in there that it says, by Harsinai, call dvarim atem shomem." You are hearing the call dvarim. So he says, it doesn't just say you're hearing the call, and it doesn't just say you're hearing the dvarim. You're hearing the call dvarim, the voice of the words, meaning there's a unity between the voice and the, and, and, and the words, meaning there's a unity between Lashon Kodish and the seventy languages of the world. There's a unity between the Jewish people and the seventy nations of the world, right? There's there's a there's a unity between the the two different forces, as opposed to divorcing one from the other. So I have another Dvar Torah which I wrote in a separate piece, which says that Moshe Rabenu and Arun Cohen represent these two different functions. Moshe Rabbeinu said, when God asked Moshe Rabbeinu to go and free the Jewish people from Egypt, you know what he said? I mean, what did he say? He didn't want to do it. What was his word? Lo, ishtavar, mon, I am not a man of words. I am not a man of words. I don't speak words. What does that mean? He doesn't speak words. So in in school, when we were kids, we used to learn, like, his sign, he had a speech impediment, which, uh, you know, that is what the verses seem to say. But obviously, it's much, 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 much deeper than that. So I'll tell you what I wrote. And maybe I I totally missed the boat here. But there's the sefer for Imre Noam. He says that the words, Omar Moshe, and Moshe spoke, Omar Moshe, Moshe speaks. He says, that is gemachio, the word shofar. When Moshe speaks, it's a shofar. It's a call. It's not words, it's a call. Meaning, Moshe Rabbeinu was so connected to the internal depth and meaning of the Torah... That he wasn't even able, at least he claimed he wasn't even able to articulate it outward and turn it into words. He wasn't able to translate it into words. For him, it was like a shofar. It was just like a call. And that's what he said. I, I cannot talk. uh ishtabar Why? Because Omar Moshe. When Moshe speaks, it's not words. It's a call.
0: Isn't there a Chazal that says, don't our sages tell us that there's shchina midaberis mitoch grono? Right, mitoch grono.
1: Right. Like from within his throat. It's like... I never understood that. Like he's talking from within his throat, but but that's what I think it means. Meaning like it doesn't ever really leave him, right? It's not like it doesn't get translated away. It's uh, he's one with his
0: message, and he's one with God's message. And therefore, the the Debra the debor has to be outsourced.
1: Oh, so but what does God say? God says, "All right, you need debor. Who are we going to call in? We're going to call in Aaron Cohen. The word Aaron is gematria, devarim. It's just so fascinating. It's like one of my favorite matches Moshe Rabbeinu says, Loish Dvarmoki. Hashem says, okay, I'll bring out Aaron. What's Aaron Gamacha? Dvarim. It's like, you're lacking Divaram, I got the Dvarim for you. Aaron Cohen had that ability to communicate Moshe Rabbeinu's message, to take that call and break it down into Divor. These are that's Moshe and Aaron, and as we know, we really need them to be unified. Call Dvarim Atam Shomim. You need if Moshe and Aaron were to have a divorce from each other, that would be terrible. Because then what would happen was the Dvarim, the multiplicity, would be no, disunified from its original source. It would be the seventy languages no longer being connected to Lashon Hakodesh. It would be the seventy nations of the world no longer being connected to the Jewish people. It would really be a Bodezar, meaning it would be the idea of of seeing a world outside that's disconnected from from God, that's disconnected from the unity of God. So, Aaron, Ekoin, and Moshevin have to go together, and they do, and they do.
0: It, it should be noted that. Sefer Dvarim, the book of De- Deuteronomy starts Elohadvarim Ashadibra Moshe. Excellent. So after Aaron passed, oh. he was, Moshe was able yeah. to. Yeah, so it's
1: interesting because the Medrash and... actually asks that question. They say, How can right. you say Elohadvarim Ashadibra Moshe? Did Moshe not say Loish Tavarmanochi? And they give a very mystical answer, a very cryptic answer. They say that his tongue was healed. I have, I've written up about this in a different place. Anyways, here's the thing. Before we get to Ezra, I want to just flip right back to Talmai for a second. Talmai made him translate the Torah into Greek, but if you look at the Gemara there in, in Megillah, he has a very peculiar way of expressing his command. He says, "Kisvuli Toras Moshe Rabchem. Write for me the Torah of Moshe, your Rabbi. There's only one Torah, right? There's, why couldn't he just say write for me Torah? So I want to suggest he was, he was going directly to this point. The problem he had with Torah is that it was Moshe's Torah. It was coming from a place of call. It was coming from that Omar Moshe, that call shofar. Right? That, that, um, that expresses and personifies unity and oneness. He didn't want that. He wanted you to rob it, steal it away from Moshe Rabbeinu and write it for me. Let it become my territory. I'm fine with the Torah. So long as it's disconnected from Moshe. Because Moshe is just way too connected to God. Moshe literally only speaks the voice of God. I want a, a Torah that is one that is already away removed, a step up removed from God, right? who I want it to be removed from God and be disconnected from the call that Moshe represents. That's why it says Kisvili Torah Moshe Okay, but let's move along to Ezra. is a fascinating individual. Here's how the Torah Introduces us, sorry, how the how the Navi introduces us to Ezra. In the seventh paragraph of Sefer Ezra, it says, "You've never seen anything like this." It says, "Ezra ben Sharia ben Azaria ben Chilky ben Shalom ben Tzadok ben Achitov ben Amaria ben Azaria ben, ben Zah It just keeps going and going and going, all the way till Ben Aaron Hakohen. I have never seen such a long list of ancestors. Um, you know, being lined up in the Torah. Have you ever seen that? Like, it's, sometimes you see one generation, two, three. This is like ten, ge- this is ten generations, I think. I think it is ten. Um, so what's up with that? Going all the way to Aaron Akoin. Like, why stop? Just keep going. Go all the way to other Marisha, right? So the idea is like this. Um, the Kabbalists tell us that Ezra wasn't just a descendant of Aaron Akoin. Ezra was a Gilgal of Aaron Akoin. Okay. And that's why it's important for the Torah to show you the lineage all the way up to Aaron. Because he was Aaron. He was Aaron. He's a reincarnation of Aaron. Okay. So much so. Says the. I think it's the Megala Mukos. I hope I got that one right. That. He says. Um, we find Moshe with Davin to go to Eretz Yisrael. He says. Why did Aaron Akhoi not Davin to go to Eretz Yisrael? The, the, the decree applied to both of them. That neither of them were allowed. Entry. He says. Aaron Akhoi had no concern. Because he knew he was going to Eretz Israel. Not this time around, but the next time around, when he's Ezra, he's going to be Bavel right? Ezra was olami and he went to Eretz Yisrael, so Aaron had no fears. He was going to get there eventually. Whereas Moshe Benu, um, we don't find that. Pretty cool stuff. Okay, Ezra is Aaron coin Remember, Aaron coin is the Dvarim aspect. But there's another thing we find out about Moshe Benu. Uh, sorry about Ezra. And that is that he's super connected to Moshe Abenu. Says the Gemara Sanhedrin, Tanya, yomari, Ezra Torah Kadmu Ezra, it says, had the ability to give the Torah. He would have been able to give the Torah had Moshe not had Moshe not preempted him. Ezra was kind of like he had this Moshe like quality that he could have given the Torah. Just like Moshe. The Torah refers to... The, sorry, the, again, the, the Pasek refers to him after giving that whole rundown and showing how it descends from Aaron a coin. The, literally, the next Pasek says, "Who Ezra, all who sofer mahir Moshe. asher He was, a, was sofer mahir. Rabbi Wilby, I don't know how to translate. Sofer mahir. He was like an extremely, extremely... A speedy scribe? A speedy scribe. But it means something more than that. He was super diligent in the Torah of Moshe. Again, stressing the Torah of Moshe.
0: What I want... Doesn't it say that he was 120 years old when he yes, died? Yes, yes, so. he was 120 when I'm... he
1: died. They, they, they are, I, I didn't manage to put them all together, but there are multiple other Maimari Chazal that show this connection between Ezra and Moshe. He's Again, so he's a Sofir Mohar B'Torah's Moshe. He could have given the Torah had Moshe not done it, which means, again, only Moshe was allowed to give the Torah. So if Ezra's giving the Torah, that means he's super similar to Moshe. So what I want to suggest is, here's the thing. We know he's a Gilgal that, that's that's what we're being told. But we also know that he's very, very he's very diligent when it comes to the Torahs Moshe. Perhaps what this means is that Ezra personifies this connection between these two functions. There's this call, Moshe, and there's Dvarim, which is Aaron. So he says, I'm Aram, but I'm gonna be a soul mar Torah's mosha. I will never forget that the power of Aaron lies in his connection with Moshe Abinu, The Devarim the articulation, the communication of Aaron and Cohen is only valuable if it will ultimately bring you closer to the unity of the call of Moshe Rabbeinu. So Ezra has both. He's a girl of Aaron, but he's very much uh, connected and dedicated to Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay, now, I didn't have time to get into this, but if I'm right, then there's something super spooky. Because the same Gemara Sanhedrin tells us, Rabbi Wabi, you're a big expert in Maseches Sanhedrin, so you're going to have to help me with this. It's this is what it says. It says, sold ivri Originally, the Torah was given to the Jewish people with k'sav ivri, right? That's just some uh, style of writing, and in lashanah kodesh. Ezra. In the days of Ezra, it was given again b'k'sav Ashuris in the, in in a different style of writing, Ashuris Velashon Arami. And was given in the in the Lashon of Arami. That's like um, Targum Unklus, Aramaic. Okay, so the Torah in the days of Ezra switches languages. I, I don't even know what this means. This is completely, uh, this is a complete enigma. I don't I don't even understand what that means. It says the Gemara Ahemli Yisrael. Ezra went ahead and he chose for the Jewish people Lashon Hakodesh. He rejected Lashon Arami, and he and he opted only for Lashon Hakodesh and the doesn't this sound like exactly like what we're saying here? Like in the days of Ezra, I, I don't even know what this means. There was like another giving of the Torah, this time in a different language. And Ezra says, no, I don't want that. I only want Lashon HaKodesh. I mean, well, we, we got to look deeper into this Gemara. I didn't have a chance to delve into it. But it sounds uncannily like the ideas we're discussing here. That like when you have Ezra, when you have Aaron coin, there is a danger of the Torah switching languages because Aaron Cohen has that ability. But Aaronic Cohen didn't use it the wrong way; used it the right way. He used it to to always bring you back to the source. And Ezra did the exact same thing, right? There's this. The Torah is once again given this time in in Aramaic, and he's like, "No, I don't want that. I only want Lashon Okay, well,
0: It might have to do perhaps with the second acceptance of the Torah in the times of Achashverosh. Jewish people reaccepted it, and that's right afterwards comes Ezra to rebuild the temple. So maybe that's uh, what has to. Do. But I, you should know about this particular. Subject in the Talmud, there's literally an entire book written about it. Oh, yeah? Rabbi Reuven Margolis wrote a book about Sav Ivri and Sav Ashuris and, um, you know, Assyrian script and the ancient, uh, they call it like Paleo Hebrew script. Uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of literature about this um, and it is very confusing. So,
1: okay, anyways, let's yeah, just put I, a I don't know. It. I just saw that go around. I'm <laughs> like, I gotta quote this because it, it just sounds too, It sounds too similar to everything that we are discussing. Okay, so I think, I think we're basically done here. So we have these three events. All of them appear, at least according to our theories, that they have this common theme. They're all the idea of a world of multiplicity, which is a world of Avodhazara, a world that rejects the oneness of God, trying to take over a world of unity. So let's, let's just review them. So it's the, the, um, translating the Torah away from Hebrew. Okay. Translating the Torah away from Hebrew into a different language and again, not doing it for the sake of understanding the Torah in its original form, doing it for the sake of creating a new Torah that's divorced from its original form, right? Then there's the death of Ezra, right? The death of the one who personified the connection between Tvarim and Kol. Then there's Babel, this people who created this whole mess in the first place, coming back to take over Yerushalayim, to destroy the base of Megiddo, which the Maral told us is the source of all Achdos. We said that Tevis is the Sheven of Don. Don, we know, has this, uh, this ugly history with Avodah It's a gidi A gidi we said, is, is possible. I, I haven't yet found a, a, an exact proof, but we know that a Seir is, is Avodah so a gidi is likely connected to Avodah It's the letter Ayin, which is 70, which is the 70 nations of, of the world. And then we mentioned that it's the... Okay, so this we didn't get to yet. Here's the thing. The Shabbos before Pesach is called Shabbos HaGadal. I Maybe, mean, why is it called Shabbos HaGadal?
0: All kinds of reasons. All kinds of reasons. But
1: one of the main reasons, one of the main reasons is because they tied down the sheep of the Egyptians on that day. Right? They tied it down. Now what, what's the big deal? The sheep of the Egyptians was there of the Zara. They worshipped the sheep. The day when you tie down there of Odizara, the when you conquer there of the Zara, it's called Godal. There's greatness. God has become great. Because the more of others are in the world, the less revelation of God there is
0: in the world. right and, and Abraham corresponds to Hakel Hagadol right
1: Excellent, excellent, very good. Abraham corresponds to the Midah of Godal and I think partially maybe the reason is because who who is the ultimate destroyer of others are who picked up an axe and like chopped up the idols of his father's idol shop? as Avraham Avinu. So Avraham Avinu is God all because he's the one who destroys Avodah Zara and brings out that much more godless, that much more greatness of, of, of Hashem. So the, the verse of Teves and the theme of Teves is God will Let's knock this Avodah Zara out of ourselves and make God great once again. And, uh, and that's it, folks. Um, I, I do want to say, I mean, <laughs> th- this is still kind of negative and I haven't worked on the positive part. I mean, what was going to help me out with it? Meaning, the whole idea, let, let, me just point something out. Dunn. We, we were really hitting on Dunn this time, but you have to realize something. Done. some, done is very, very special. Dunn is very special because the capital of Avodazara, one, one of the great Avodazara people of our history is Asaph, right? Now, who killed Asaph? You know who killed Asaph? Chushim killed Esau. Who's Chushim? Chushim is the son of Don. Chushim ben Don. Another thing. In Parshavayichi, when Yaakov gives the brachos to all of his children, when he comes to Don, he says, Hashem. I see Mashiach here. Okay? Says Arizal, Chushim, in the Torah, is spelled with that above. <laughs> it's the same letters as Mashiach. Don is very much connected to Mashiach. Don has the power to destroy Evodazar. He killed Esau. So, this is something we can discuss. I didn't really delve into it, but it's his very weakness that is his strength. Meaning, there's a reason why the Shevet of Don is succumbing to avod every now and again. It's because the power to destroy avod is really his, which is why their urge and their temptation is that much harder. Now, why Don, of all people, was chosen for that role, I don't know. Um But I guess what my point is, is that it's the month of Teves. Uh, that means we have that power. We, we have, we have the weakness, but we have the power as well. The same way it was the son of Don who overcame Aesop, so too it's the month of Don, maybe, that will allow us to overcome Aesop. And just like this was the very beginning, the very beginning, the first stage of Gaulus, of the four exiles, the first stage of the first exile happened in Tavis, um, maybe the first stage of our ultimate exodus will happen in Tavis. And we hope that will happen really soon.
0: This is, uh, ob- obviously incredible. And I want to thank you for doing all the heavy lifting. I-, I did jot down some comments that I have over here. Maybe I'll share them with you. Sure. Um, so first of all, you know, just basic Asav, you told me Asav is a Vodazara. And he's also called a, sa- a sair, right? That, that, already The Madras connects the sair to the sair, which is the, the same letter is spelled the hairy one. Asev was va'ets. Uh, he was he was very hairy. Versus, um, and that's uh, also the term for for the goat. So of course that's just to wrap up that point. But I was thinking first of all, didn't we write the Talmud in Babylon? Isn't there the Babylonian Talmud, which is not written in Hebrew? It should be noted. Yeah. So I wonder I wonder how that connects. It's almost like us us taking upon the quality of Bavel of of Babylon. Which is the idea of having all those foreign languages, but kind of usurping it or commandeering it, expropriating it for our for our benefit to actually explain the Torah of Moshe in a sanctioned and justified way.
1: Excellent. So, so yes, Maybe. absolutely. I heard a full share on this from Rabbi Tatz, Rabbi Kiva Tatz, who speaks about this idea. He puts the two things together being born in Babel and the Talmud being written in Babel is all this idea of putting the fragmented pieces back together again. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yes. Uh now Hushim, it should be noted, the one who killed Asaf, he was he was deaf, but I think he was also mute. So I don't know how that connects to the idea of call and Debor, and somehow we have this deaf mute who's the one who is gonna decapitate yeah, it's definitely connected, decapitate asaph yeah. Another thing, if Abraham died and was born in the month of Teves. We know that on the day that Abraham died, Jacob is making his nizid. He's making his right. lentils. And that's when Asaph comes and says, oh, I'm going to die, right? Why is he going to die, Rashi? says, because of the temple. So again, we see that overlap of the temple. And, and he forfeits his birthright, and he yields it to Jacob in this month, according okay, to okay, your calculation. Okay, so it's actually
1: better than that. It's actually better than that. So it's not 100% clear when Asa was killed, but... There's very strong evidence that he was killed on Rosh Chodesh Teves. I think I'll tell you why. Because the um, the Misora, the tradition is that Yaakov was Yaakov died on Sukkot because the, the verse says nasa which is obviously not referring to actual Sukkot, but it's except okay. Now we know they traveled for seventy days. Seventy days from Sukkot is Chanukah. Okay, Because right? seventy days seven from Teshuvah is Chafei. And then, it, it sounds like there were seven additional days, if you read the verses in
0: Vayechin. Ha'atad.
1: Yeah, in Goron Ha'atad. So seven additional days from Chofhei will get you to Rosh Chodesh Tevez. According to that, the day he was buried, we know it was the same day that Esav was killed. Esav was killed on Rosh Chodesh Tevez. So there you have it. It's amazing, He says, I'm going to die, yes. and he dies that day. <laughs> I never thought of that. That's incredible.
0: Now, I also noticed... When we talk about call, it does attribute call to, to Jacob, right? HaKol, call Yaakov. And I, I, wonder perhaps if maybe Yaakov's alter ego or his other persona as Yisrael is somehow the, the way to get both of them in one. Maybe. Uh, what else do I have over here? Jewish people in, e- in Egypt, they didn't, they didn't change their language. Very good. Uh, the fidelity to the language. Very good. All right. And I was thinking as well, we know that um, uh, when Jacob spent the night on Temple Mount, all the stones coalesced into one. And that reminded me of the idea of the base. That's, that's Temple Mount. And that's the idea of all the various different forces. Um, that's right uniting it's it, it, not just it's, it's, al- ab- ab- it's like the opposite Right.
1: it's not just tabel, that stone we're taught is the evin chisiyah, which which the whole base of mikdash was really built upon so it's built upon that foundation of unity excellent
0: anyhow this was uh it's it's it. i i absolutely love it i i feel like there's a lot more here
1: oh come on there's got to be
0: but it's uh <laughs> it's enough to enough to work with until until next month uh you were a little bit uh uncertain about tevez there's nothing going on there <laughs> but i guess next next month we have Schwat and of course there's uh tuba Shvat, yeah which i know you have a lot of tire on that so it should be uh easier to to do that uh next month but i want to thank you for uh sharing your uh, brilliance and wisdom with us and i'm looking forward already to next month the month of Shvat. Uh, your email address, all, all the questions go to Rabbi Botnik. Don't ask me any questions. I, I, don't I know. just, answers, I just I don't know. forward it's them too, to <laughs> It's too mysterious for me. But uh, botniksm at gmail.com. My email address you know, but don't email about, about this because it's it's too mysterious. It's too difficult. It's too advanced. It's just way above me. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, until next month, I hope uh, you all have a fantastic, fantastic month.
1: All right. Thank you so much, Rabbi Wolby.